and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross, and joining me is, as always, Dan Ream. Hello, Dan. And I am very glad to be in the dungeon today. Man, it is nasty outside. <laughs> Heading over here to the dungeon, it was like marching across Icewind Dale. It I'll, was brutal. I'll take the goblin beatings. <laughs> as long as I have to go out in that cold. Yep, yep, yep. Flavoring the uh, the snow for them. They're enjoying they're enjoying uh, eating snow. You're flavoring the snow for them? Sure, sure. That sounds... uh, spider blood, stuff like that. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> she wins. <laughs> But the goblins, they're, in, they're having a good time. But it is <laughs> it is frigid out here. So, yeah. So, we're, we've got we've got a few days like this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a little bit of snow. Yeah. So, treacherous weather. But, you know, sometimes for me, I like it because it slows everything down. Yeah. We don't do quite as much or mm-hmm. at least feel like we have to do things quite as fast. But we've got a show here to talk about. We played Dungeons & Dragons this past Friday night. We returned to Waterdeep. Yes. And likewise, we're, we are finally returning to our roots here and yes. giving a story recap. Yeah, this. Yeah, it, it, I forgot about that aspect that that it's our roots. This is how the show started, mm-hmm. talking about our games, sharing the character, sharing the adventure, things like that. We thought we'd start today's show by reintroducing the characters because we introduced the Waterdeep campaign about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe not even that long. Maybe it was about a year ago. I think it's been longer. We introduced it, and then we got sidetracked, and then we returned to it, and then we got sidetracked. Yeah. So if you are familiar with that or you go back and listen to it, you will hear a, a different cast of characters, mm-hmm. minus two, that are two are still the same from the original. Yes. Everybody else is new. One player is playing a new character, and all the other players are new. Players yes. and characters are new. So mm-hmm. we're going to recap that. And then, uh, Dan, you've got some questions for me as DM, because I dungeon master the Waterdeep campaign. And then we'll just kind of go over the highlights of the adventure. Yeah. Cool. That's good. So, I'll let, well, I'll, here, I'll, I'll do this. I will introduce <laughs> our first and character that is one of the originals is Nikistos, which is played by you. Yes. So Nikistos, the Triton Bard. And we're all level eight now, so I need to learn. I, I need to get better at all this, honestly. But as far as role-playing, I, I need to kind of remember. It, it took a little bit to remember to go back to him. Yeah. And he's he's sort of naive, but good-hearted. In a way, it's very simple. You just always think what's the best, you know, how, how could he help the most people? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how he... Uh, that helps me make my decisions as far as what he's going to do. It's interesting you say that going back, like like getting back into character, mm-hmm. I felt like everybody kind of struggled with that a little bit. Yes. I thought I was going to do a good job of setting that up, but it, it apparently wasn't quite what I thought, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But I knew that you were back in when you called everybody out on killing those creatures the floaty creatures with the brain heads and the beaks. And you said, so basically we just walked in here and killed people, uh, killed creatures that are in their lair (laughs) for no reason. And everybody kind of paused and I was like, he's back. (laughs) (laughs) Took an hour or so, but you, that, that was when I was like, okay, Dan's got his character back. (laughs) The other character that is a, an original is played by Chris Metz, our good friend, Chris Metz. Mm -hmm. Uh, He playing the character Karavek. Yes. Who started with, his brother, Caladan, played mm-hmm. by Dan Zare, but then they split. Caladan got lost 
somewhere in traveling plains between mm-hmm. Eberron and Waterdeep. And so Kerevek, the, the other brother, is back. And I'm trying to remember, he is a level three paladin and level, that make level five warlock, I think. It's something like that. I know that. he's got more warlock than paladin. Yeah. He's the opposite of Iron Claws. Yes. And speaking of Iron Claws, Iron Claws, played by Mark Cooler, is a dragonborn. And he is, so he'd be the opposite. He's a level five paladin and level three warlock. I might be a level off on each of them. It might be two and six. six. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, interestingly, that they they worked out that way. And that's Um, such a strange combination. It is. It is. I think, I don't know. I don't know exactly the thinking or the reasoning behind it. I mean, it's cool. Other than I think they both wanted that divine smite. Yes. And so I think that's that's where they were going (laughs) with that. Um, But both of them, you know, Chris as as Karavek is a long-term player in this campaign and, or a long-time character in the campaign and has very invested in many, many different ways. Yes, yes, he has, his character is a, a son of uh, an important family to begin with. Mm-hmm, a noble family. In Waterdeep, so he has played that to hilt as far as investing his his own time and energy and his character's time and energy mm-hmm. into building out our position as the sort of de facto leading citizens of Trollskull right. Alley. yeah. Which I think is a lot of fun. He's really taken a part of like let's let's build the characters. Let's not just play in a campaign or in a in a setting. Let's be part of the setting. And yes. he's done a great job of yes. doing that. And Mark is a. I don't think he's from Waterdeep. I think he came to Waterdeep as a dragonborn. Mm-hmm. And he, I'll just say, when he joined, when not not Mark, but when Ironclaws joined the group, he just was kind of a, a, a bystander and helped fight and played along. But I'm going to tell you, he's got some. He's got some plans. Yes, he has some plans, and I'm excited to see uh, how those plans play out as we go forward in this campaign. It's been fun as a player because his previous character in mm-hmm. this campaign, Bolii, that character and Nikistos were quite close. We're good yes. friends, mm-hmm. and to go from that to his current character where there's much more friction mm-hmm. between him and Nikistos. Although I, I did notice, and I, I've, I, I notice these things and I need to learn from them because they're really cool and, and a very generous thing as a player. He made a point, his character made a point of telling one of the new characters some of this cool stuff that Nikistos does. Oh, geez. And Behind the screen, I missed some of that stuff. So that's I, cool. I thought that's... That's something I have to remember to do because I still think too much as a player and think, well, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But you got to dig in and be the character sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see where that, that character goes. Our next character, played by our friend Paul Scherter, is Snake. <laughs> he has a real name, but I never wrote it down. So we just go by Snake. <laughs> he goes by, that's what he tells every, his character tells everybody. Yeah. And Snake is a, <laughs> now I'm not sure I know, Rogue Ranger. A yeah, rogue. a ranger rogue because he was a former. He's a former soldier, mm-hmm. and so that's where the ranger aspect. He was a kind of a scout in the army, and then when he left the army and came to the city, he kind of moved into the rogue 
uh, kind of sneaking around. So he took he took the idea of that he had as a soldier being a scout to that same kind of feel in the city, but just change classes to fit a little bit better into a city. So he has roguish abilities. Yes. He's loving, he is absolutely loving the sneak attack damage at eighth (laughs) level. Right. (laughs) Or fifth for him, but... Yeah, fifth for him, but still, he's loving that. Still, he came in late, like the last couple sessions that we played in Waterdeep. The last time. So his character is still kind of developing, kind of feeling out how he wants to fit into the group, but yeah. it's coming along. He had some he has he has some cool ideas that that came into his character this year. And I guess the one thing I really haven't said is that from our last play session to the one we did Friday night in game time, actually in real time, it was over a year ago. And in game time, actually a year has passed as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when I keep saying he's got some good plans, he's got some good plans, that's all the stuff that that's where I'm heading with that is is that I know some things that that the rest of you don't because right. I've been communicating with you. But we'll get back into that in just a minute as well. So that's Snake. Our good friend uh, Brian Sutter is playing Nighthawk. Mm-hmm. And he also is a rogue from Waterdeep, though. And mm-hmm. so he's kind of – he's working his way up through the classes – and trying to improve his station in life and joined the Troll School Manor group to try as as sort of a next step in his in his path to become more significant. So he we have seen him he joined actually in a game session where we were chasing that carriage. Yeah. And he was in the alley, and that's how you guys met him. He just kind of joined in with the chase yes. to see what was going on, and <laughs> and so he's he's a real he's he's built around being very quick, very kind of acrobatic, and just kind of a fun player to or a fun character to sort of sit back and watch what's he going to do next. It's he's sort of a a live wire. We aren't sure exactly what he's going to do, right. but it's always for the good of the group. So mm-hmm. that's been a fun addition there. And then our brand new character is played by Nate Sidwell, who's been playing with us for maybe not quite a year, maybe six, seven months now in the other campaigns. And so he introduced his brand new character on Friday nights. And I'll let you tell us a little bit about his character. Well, it's Nikistos doesn't know too much about him yet, but it's a, a human soldier, mm-hmm. so fighter class, uh, named Ander Broadstream. So Nate has gone all in with this. It's been fun. He's got an accent that he's doing with him, and it's... It's just the right amount. You can definitely hear the voice of the character as opposed to the player. Yeah. But it's not to the point where it's, you know, doesn't... Our group doesn't inhabit their characters the way some Mm -hmm. do. Right. And so Nate clearly is more comfortable with that. And he's done it to a level that doesn't doesn't clash with everybody else, but still is quite distinctive. So that's been fun to see. Yeah. I'm looking forward to sitting back and watching his character and Paul's soldier character Mm -hmm. to see how they, I'm hoping, we'll see, I'm hoping that they will start taking tactics in hand and start telling everybody this is what we're doing. Yeah. We'll get into this soon because there are some other personalities that are quite quick to say, I'm doing this. Right. And I'm hoping that we could have some cool sort of inter-character play, mm-hmm. role play or tension if they try to impose sort of some some discipline 
right. on the team. <laughs> and it was cool to see when when uh, Nate introduced Ander as a soldier. Paul instantly soldier, nice, and, and like yeah. they and they hit it off right away. Yes, and I I thought about building into their backstories, and their backstories aren't completely fleshed out. But I did consider building them into like opposing armies, but they don't know it yet. Okay. But I don't think I'm going to do that. I think it's going to be two completely different wars that they participated in. And so they're just going to be able to share stories. I think that's a good back choice. and forth. I think as a, it's easy to put too many layers mm-hmm. of potential conflict and then people can't keep them straight. Yeah, yeah. So, well, speaking of that, I was aware of, just as a character, the amount of homework you had to put in to get ready for this. <laughs> You went above and beyond as far as trying to, rather than just saying, okay, year has passed, you took the time to talk to each one of us about, all right, how did that year pass? What did you do? Mm-hmm. So what? how did you go about assembling that information or that plan? So first of all, I procrastinated about, you know, 11 and a half months to start preparing that. I I had what I wanted to happen in my head all that time, but just, you know, as is typical with being a dungeon master and sometimes for some people like me, it's just it's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. And so I put it off way too long, but it all worked out pretty well. So I interviewed everybody generally through email, but if like I think you and I did more talking than email or text, just I want to know what what do you want to accomplish in this year? Um, we won't do any adventuring. You won't do anything that would bring your character up in level. But one person trained to switch a feat, which I thought was a was a cool idea. That mm. was Kervek wanted to. I, I don't know what feat he he took away, but he wanted the polearm master. Okay. And so he trained with one of our NPCs, Muckluck, to uh, <laughs> to get that. Some others wanted to do some business dealings. Others just wanted to carouse and create and build connections throughout the city. You and and another player wanted to do some research. So I just communicated back and forth. One really kind of did, I started with, I started with Caravet because I knew Chris, Chris has layers of things that he wanted to do. I figured he was probably the most invested in that year long role play. Mm -hmm. But then I went to you and Marcus because You've been in the you've been in the game the longest as players, Nikistos as a as a character the longest with Caravac. Just to see what the three of you uh, original players and two of you original characters where this was going to go because I don't know. I found out that that there was some communication between you guys mm. at some points, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was cool that that was happening because I was trying to keep everything segmented. This is what you're doing. I'm not going to tell anybody else. But there was a place where I did say, do you want me to let this player know that that's what your character is doing? Because there could have been like collaboration there. Because there's a few places I was like, oh, you know what? There are probably a couple characters that would have wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I didn't want to. I wanted to try to keep everybody's ideas unique to them. And so that that was the general gist of it. And so then what I did is I after I settled on our between communication, I would settle on kind of what your story is of the year. And so I, I typed that out as narrative and then I sent that back to everybody and I said if there's if I miss something or whatever, let me know. We can work on it. And I mentioned this to you guys at the beginning of the session and that was the, the, the difficulty for me, and I'd love to know if someone else has done something like this to see how they did it. 
the challenge for me was, do I want to micromanage this year or do I want to allow things to happen or not happen? In other words, you wanted to start a business, great, your business has started and you're rolling. Or I could say, actually your business, there doesn't seem to be um, an interest in it, your business is fledgling, do you wanna keep it going? Without any dice rolls or anything, it's just what, what I decided. In a couple instances, I did that. In a couple instances, I had you guys roll dice mm -hmm. to, um, like, for instance, you, Nikistos was training an apprentice and the sons of the innkeepers. Mm -hmm. And so I had you roll dice for success on that. And that actually worked out pretty well because you had you had a rough start mm -hmm. and then the dice rolls, for whatever reason, started getting better. And, you've, and even though you had an up and down somewhere about nine to 10 months in, it still finished strong. Mm -hmm. And so narratively, that, that worked out pretty well for me because I, I think I, what, do you remember what I said to you about that? It was something like, because they haven't been in your presence a lot because of your adventuring, mm -hmm. it took a while for them to get used to daily training. And so it went slow at the beginning and then finally it ramped up. Right. And they, right. they like found a groove with you as an instructor. So sometimes that worked out well. But I just, I, so many times I was like, ah, I really should have them roll dice. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is going to overcomplicate yeah. stuff. And some of it, I just, I just took what you guys said and then tried to think about what the overall story is and kind of mold it that way. And everybody seemed pretty happy about the way things went. Without telling secrets, were there any players whose plans would have provided a little too much advantage to them by the time the year was done? Did anybody try to grab too much? Yeah, I just, <laughs> and I don't know that it was like intentional, like I'm going to try to get something over on everybody else. But there were a couple, couple of people who were asking for things that were even over your station as eighth level players. And some things, you know, this was the other thing that the other decision I had to make is, you know, you deserve to have magic items as eighth level players. I mean, mm -hmm. you just should mm -hmm. because of the things you're going to face. But I know there are tables out there for this, and I was just kind of trying to go with where we were as we finished and how what's the best like slow route to adding magic to the campaign. And so I went with the idea that a common and uncommon, a, a common magic weapon is most likely to be available in a city like Waterdeep. Mm -hmm. Uncommon is a decent chance. And, and and once I got to that level, I started, I did start rolling percentage dice as the success of being able to find something like this. And then when it got to rare, very rare, legendary, I was kind of like, those are things you find. People who have those probably are not willing to give them up. Right. I did offer to one player that your guild, or no, I'm sorry, your faction might have that and want to loan it out because you're doing something that would benefit that faction, but they didn't follow up on that uh, that offer. So yeah, a few people were asking for things a little bit, what I would consider overpowered for where the campaign was. And again, maybe maybe it's not overpowered for an eighth level group, but where we were, it would have been a big jump sure. in magic. <laughs> Another thing that I want to say was tricky, but was interesting on my side is there is a character whose path could potentially have conflicts with the group or create conflict with the group. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stop that. I'm going to let it I'm going to let it play out because it actually some other people in the campaign may want to participate in this path. 
it may cause a split in the group. But I don't know. Even then, I think that there's a that there's a, a good behind the reasoning. It's just the path to that good could be a little questionable to some characters, like especially Nikistos. I'd be curious to know in other D&D groups how they navigate that because mm-hmm. I feel like across a couple of different groups I've played in, that becomes a, a very acceptable thing that this, when you reach a, a big decision, some players will say, my character wouldn't do that, so oh. he's going to go off. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that when you when you led us into Eberron. There were some reasons why Nikistos just wouldn't have oh. gone. Right. And so... Oh, yeah, that's right. So he you stayed behind and, mm-hmm. and sort of guarded the... The, the safeguard, yeah, mm-hmm. and and so in that case, then you just had me play a couple of NPC helper characters, mm-hmm. which was fun. And I've been in other ones where I again I came down to a moral decision, and Jared, our friend Jared, mm-hmm. said Milo wouldn't do that, uh, so he peeled off, and they went different directions, and and so I'm I'm curious. If other groups out there, I imagine the temptation is just to kind of shoehorn it to where everybody stays together. Right. But I, I kind of like the notion of people holding their, char- their characters loosely enough to say, that's okay. We'll set him aside. Yeah. Maybe we'll come back to him. Mm-hmm. You know, in the case of Jared, we did. We eventually, we eventually worked our way around to where the other players all created new characters to meet up with. Wow. And they went on a new adventure. So we've got their original characters still hanging out there, uh, out in limbo somewhere that we could Mm -hmm. return to, who have allied themselves with a demon. So (laughs) problematic. I can see why they would leave that group. (laughs) But it's for a really good reason. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that, the whole Eberron thing. The fact that you took on NPCs kind of made it seamless for everybody. Mm -hmm. You were able to still participate and play, but just as different characters for that short time. Because we knew, we suspected that you would eventually come back Mm -hmm. to Waterdeep. That worked out, and it worked out really well. Uh, it helped me a ton because there were there were a lot of NPCs in Eberron that, that that I needed to have to be able to play out the the story that I wanted to happen. And having you was extremely helpful and useful mm-hmm. to run those NPCs. So, well, I was very impressed with the amount of work you put into this with the, uh, cause when he says he typed up the narrative, I mean, it was a page and a half for me. So I was thinking, multiply that by six. That was a lot of, yeah. a lot of not only sorting it out in your mind, but getting it down on paper. Mm-hmm. That was a long process for you, I'm sure. And so I finished that and I thought, okay, I'm all done. I was like, wait, I still have to plan for a session. <laughs> That's not the session. <laughs> and so I knew where I, I knew where I kind of wanted the group to go. And I did, so we've talked about recently in our, what we've learned from DMing and, and we've talked in the past on shows about DMing. When is it proper to sort of not guide, but like push a group a certain direction? Mm-hmm. Um, versus sitting back, where do you want to go? Which is where this group has typically been. Yes. We've been in the realm of, okay, so it's the morning at Troll School Manor. What do you guys want to do today? Mm-hmm. And and that leads to the adventure. Well, I'm, this time around, I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to go in a different direction. And there's there's purpose to it. 
because it's such a heavy role play group, but since we have really three kind of newish players to it, I wanted to do something that was a little different than we've ever done with uh, this group. And so I thought the next the next step of the Waterdeep Dragon Heist story is to go into the Undermountain. It's, you move from one book to the other, the, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage or something like that. And whether we play that out or not, I don't know whether we'll do the whole story. It, it could work, but that's not how I've got it planned. I just kind of want to get you guys into a dungeon crawl, which would be, like I said, very different from this group. But I wanted to see how you came together mm-hmm. and how things, how you all work together. And you probably said the most satisfying thing. And I don't remember if you said it or if you put it in text because we had, we had a nice text stream going the next day. Mm-hmm. It made me feel good. I wasn't sure how things went. <laughs> it'd been a while. It's unlisted it was the last time we had done a dungeon crawl or that I'd let a dungeon crawl. And so I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how good I am at this anymore. And and I would love to know, anybody listening, what's the best way or what's the best way you have found to do mapping of a dungeon that doesn't yeah. – it's, it's, it's like putting citations in a, in, a, in a scholarly paper. They're so intrusive. <laughs> and you have to stop all the time. Okay, who's doing the map? Okay, so Nate, it's this and this and this. And the whole game stops to get the map done. And I was like, okay, so maybe I need to draw it out on the table. But – even then, then I'm standing there while you're all watching and I'm counting out squares and whatnot. So there's that. And then there's also the route that you could have it all Mm pre-drawn and then... It, and then um, show pe- show parts of the dungeon That's as it goes. What I used to do was with post-its. So, so my con- I would have probably done that, except the dungeon is so huge, yeah. and there were so many choices of directions that you could have gone mm-hmm. that I would have had like six or seven, as we learned with the paper of, <laughs> of the graph paper, I would have had to have had like seven or eight of those laminated mats pre-done. Mm-hmm. And... And then if you cross over a map, then we're trying to fit two maps onto the table and that, I just, so I went with the, I would, I would describe what you're looking at. I would draw it out on paper. I gave it to Nate. He could replicate mine and then he give it back to me. And then you could all work off of that paper. Mm -hmm. And then when there was conflict, we used the laminated grid map on the table and I would just draw out the room or the space in which you're having that conflict in. Right. I don't know. I don't. I still don't know that that's the best, but it, it worked okay for that night. Oh yeah, yeah, it um, worked fine. And I, I was going to say, as a player, as a player and as a DM, this was a fun, a fun back to basics type of thing. And the what clicked in my head was because of the way I started DMing, I, I always try to think in terms of I don't want a railroad. I want a sandbox. I want them to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But I found as a player. It was sort of, I don't know if refreshing is quite the right word, but it, it was enjoyable in this instance to be told, here's a letter. They want you to go down this hole and find stuff. Go. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm ready to go. Let's jump in. Don't have to discuss. Don't have to debate. Right. Just say, let's do it. Well, and to try that railroad, <laughs> to sort of soften that railroading, I mentioned to you before we started recording, and everybody doesn't know this. So remember guys, player knowledge versus character knowledge, but everybody had, I I built into that year narrative for everyone, except actually in Akistos, everyone had a reason to go into the Undermountain. You told me that and I panicked for a minute because I was thinking, (laughs) I don't know what my reason is. I guess, I mean, I, I, I could have, 
there could be because one sure. of Kistos's goals is to take down the lich that killed one of his oh, friends that, in the Actually, wasn't there something in your narrative about that? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I it's, don't know. It's stuff that he probably would have already known. I mean, she's got to be hiding somewhere. It could be in the Undermount. Yeah. But it wasn't the direction I was thinking of the next step for that particular. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's kind of what I was thinking. So when yeah. you said, oh, there's nothing special for you. Okay, good. I yeah. didn't, I didn't yeah. miss something. But everybody else had a pretty direct reason, a couple of them more general, but definite reason to go to the Undermountain. So that was my that was my way to try to make it not feel like railroading. <laughs> sure. But the funny thing was, I told you, is that nobody mentioned their no. particular reason to anybody else. So mm-hmm. I won't share here. So you guys, you can keep it, you can keep it secret. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting that nobody shared their reason to go to Undermountain. Mm-hmm. So, but everyone was totally willing. Yeah. And it was still fun to start out with the role play starting at the, you know, I always like to start Waterdeep at the breakfast table of the Troll School Manor. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Peabody's serving you and something, somebody walks in or whatever. And so, I don't know, I always see that as kind of a sitcom start, but it, it really so worked. It was in my mind too when it, you said that. that yeah, works. it really worked for me. And so we started that way. And it allows, um, all of us, it, it allowed all of us to sort of ease back into mm-hmm. the, the characters that we had and to interact with the NPCs and sort of refresh our memories. Yeah. Um, but I did kind of let you guys go once you got to the Undermountain. Under mm-hmm. I didn't, there's so many times, that's the hard part about a dungeon crawl is, from a DM's point of view, is, oh, there's something really cool if you'd have gone left. Right, oh! right, right. Like all the secret passages you guys missed and all of this and that. <laughs> and and there's some things that you, that, you know, it's just, it's hard not to say something. Yeah. But so I just sort of leave it wide open. And there's a secret that I thought you were about to discover um, in fact, I think the old Troll School adventurers probably would have figured it out. And maybe it's because we're just back. But there was a, there's a strategy you guys often use that you didn't. And I was like, oh, I bet they're going to do it here. And a fireball went off. <laughs> 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 anyway, so. Um, so, yeah. So this far in, I guess we could actually tell the story of the. Yeah. There's not. I mean, the story itself as is often with a dungeon crawl, is, doesn't take long to tell, really. No. There was a, a mysterious stranger who sent us a letter and said that she's heard that we are great adventurers and she needs magical items. And there she's heard that there's a bunch of them in the Undermountain, so can we just go collect some? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting in that it was very open-ended and friendly, Whatever you find, whatever you of what you find, whatever you feel like mm-hmm. giving to me, uh, keep what you want. You know, so yeah, she the the mission on her part. She's an envoy for a wizard in Port Nineszaro in Chult, and he just really wants magic from the Undermountain, just mm-hmm. because of the legendary rumors and all that kind of thing. And so it, it doesn't it, – she, and she's, she's telling the truth. It, it doesn't matter what you bring back. If it's a couple scrolls, it's potions. I mean obviously more powerful the better. But if it's something you guys think you're going to use, she does, she's not going to ask. Yeah. She just – whatever you bring to her, you bring to her. She also wanted some gems too yeah. uh, that were, could be of non-magical 
uh, aspect. So, sure. so yeah, you guys are all ready to jump in on yeah. that. Literally, we jumped down the. Uh, you did yawning portal. And that's your good how we friend, your good friend NPC Muckluck, lowered you down very carefully, and so you got down into that initial room, and we started mapping. Mm-hmm. What were some highlights to you that's that that stuck out to you as far as going returning to a dungeon crawl and maybe some surprises or See, fun things? Now that you said we missed all this stuff, I'm like, shoot, I didn't. I felt like we were doing a pretty good job finding stuff. But you didn't do bad. <laughs> you didn't do bad. So, I think. Honestly, I'm not sure that anything stuck out because it was very much as I expected. So we, you know, just entered a passage. Immediately, there's a strange room with a bunch of of sculptures in the wall of demons, mm-hmm. and this is where I had to separate player knowledge and character knowledge because I I really wanted right. to know what those were, but I wasn't sure. Nikistos would. So right. I, I did roll well enough that you're able to reveal mm-hmm. to me. And then I had to roll again and got a good roll again. Because again, the, the 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 demons that you listed to me, I was like, yep, no, that one, no, that one, no, that one. Because the Telesaria adventure, your enemy was a demon. Right. So I was I had spent couple years going over right. as I picked enemies for you guys to fight. <laughs> yeah. So you, you you named all of these and I thought, okay, mid-level, high-level, low-level, mid-level, high-level. And I thought, okay, there's no demon lords here. There's nothing mm. that would set off a warning bell that these are significant. It's just a, a rogues gallery of demons that you would meet. So, I mean, right. the fact that that's what they are is notable but I didn't think too much of it. So you, you you gave us enough clues that we knew there was something special about at least one of these. Right. And I, as a player, just kind of assumed well, that's it. And it was the others that are like, now wait, let's look at the other. Right. So we were mm-hmm. able to discover two secret passages yes. rather than just one. And so that was a reminder to me to be a little more persistent as a player. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I probably should have said up front that if you are playing through the Dungeon of the Mad Mage uh, as a player, you're going to get spoilers here. So it's up to you whether you want to continue listening or not because while oftentimes with the with the pre-written, what are the pre-published, or the published mm-hmm. adventures, very often I just take ideas from it and I play. This one I'm playing pretty straight up. So if you're playing through this, you will recognize that room of of the demons uh, in the wall, and you will know where the secret doors go to. And so, you know, if you don't want spoilers, then I suppose join us next week, <laughs> or go back and listen to some shows in the past. Yeah, I I I thought if, as a DM side of things, it was I was it was fun for me for you to discover the things that I had discovered in preparing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, to cringe at the ones that you were missing, but you know, it it, it happens. You know, well, in real life, you're whole, not going to catch everything. That's the whole point of the dungeon is yeah. our persistence and dice rolls are going to be what determine how much loot we come out with. So. Right. Yeah. Actually, there was there was a wall that had a secret door. You guys just rolled poorly and yeah. you missed it completely. And that's that's you know, it's all fine. Yeah. So the only other, I mean, the the major battle event was just a succession of vampires with golems with flesh golems Mm -hmm. yes and so 
Marcus's character, Ironclaw, is very impatient mm-hmm. and has just started plunging ahead. Yep. And we find ourselves really in combat before we can stop to think. So that, in a way, I don't feel bad about the way things went in mm-hmm. that, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's how that would go. And so, as a again, as a player, knowing flesh golems and vampires, each time we came up against them, I was, oh, no, this is going to be bad. And yet our level eightness is helping. Yes. Um, that, that there's a lot of us that can do things now that really, mm-hmm. uh, re- really turn the odds in our favor if there's an enclosed space with a lot of enemies. Right. And so that that's pretty much it. We, we went in the storyline, the recap. We could have done this in 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Got a letter, went down a hole, started exploring, found some secret passageways, fought some vampires. Mm-hmm. And bigger picture for me as a character and player, I, I think Nikistos is smart enough that he's going to wonder why... Is there a group of vampires here? Do they just live here or is there something bigger going on? And you did throw a few things like they're standing around a table talking. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to decide whether Nikistos is smart enough because we left it with Ironclaw just running off by himself chasing these fleeing vampires. So either Nikistos (laughs) is going to get caught up in the drama and just run or he's going to stop and say, wait, let's look at this. A little bit something's not right but i think regardless i think he would be it would be in his nature to shake up our marching order a little bit hmm, okay because right now iron claws first yep he's our tank and then we've got the rogue ranger anders mm-hmm. no no it's uh i think snake goes next oh snake goes next okay and and oh, then yeah, right. nikistos mm-hmm. And what that means is that when we come across intelligent enemies, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to smite them all because mm-hmm. Ironclaw is, is not going to negotiate. And I was thinking, I think Nikistos needs to be up there with him and try to quickly assess the the, the opponent. The situation. And mm-hmm. then try to step in and talk because I, I was thinking uh, he could have – I mean I – you know that's that's the strength of Nikistos is he's got that silver tongue feature, mm-hmm. and can do a very good job persuading or deceiving. Right. And I thought we probably could have talked our way past those vampires mm. because okay. th- because they wanted money. They did want money. And and so I was like, oh, I got to remember to do that next time. Is to, and that will be some fun interplay to mm-hmm. have Nikistos sort of grab, yeah, Iron withhold, Ponson. yeah, hold him back. Hold on, big guy. Just to give me a second. Yeah. And see if he allows that or if he just shrugs off and attacks. Mm-hmm. Either way, it'll be fun to play. Yeah. But uh, in our text thread, you mentioned, I said, I just had this image of our battles of, you know, because the battle starts and it's before Nikistos even knows what's going on. So he's got to worm his way through these narrow passageways past his buddies. Yeah. Look at the situation, scream shatter and then run back. And that's, <laughs> you know, pretty much what I did. <laughs> and And... Chris replied with a, now every spell Nikisos casts, I'll imagine him screaming its name. <laughs> 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 well, 
which I thought was cool. And and I, as the DM, you always, when you finish, I mean, you know this, when you finish a game and you sit back and you're kind of like, God, did everybody have fun? Like, yes, I was very, I didn't have a super good feeling about it just because of the, it's the newness of doing a dungeon di- dive. And it is a large group that we're playing with. I mean, to us, it's a large group, six players. Yeah. And it takes time to get around back to to you if if we're in combat or even in action. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, ah, I feel like people are getting bored or something like that. But the tech stream afterwards did make me feel much yes. better about how things Well, that, that is a, a meme I've seen everywhere on social media that every DM, the minute the session is over, is just consumed with self-doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, right. yeah. I think that's pretty common. I know I'm like that too, yeah. that it really does help to have a player say afterward, I liked this or that, this was fun, this mm-hmm. was a good time. Yeah. So So I think, you know, as we leave it, we're in chase. We're yes. in the middle, we kind of left in the middle of a battle or at least a chase. So the last thing I want to say is, oh, it just flew from my head. <laughs> you already said that? it. What was the last <laughs> thing I wanted to say? Holy cow. Well, I guess I'll think of it and maybe I'll mention it next time. Because uh, I just, <laughs> man, it was so important I wanted to say something, but I've forgotten it. No. Oh, well, I want to keep you from having to edit more. So I'm going to go ahead and just let's close up the show. (laughs) So, well, thank you all so much for uh, joining us on our adventure. We hope that you enjoy these recap shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one had a little bit less adventure because much of it was just recapping and kind of reestablishing characters and things like that. Yeah. Hopefully next time we dive into the undermountain of Waterdeep, we'll have more story to tell and more shenanigans of fighting and things like that. But that's uh, this is a good way to finish it. So I believe our next week's show will be a, it's an interview show, I believe. Mm-hmm. And something tells me, I just have a feeling that our podcast is going to get taken over. <laughs> I don't know. Those dirty goblins. Uh, those dirty goblins. That's right. They finally figured out what we're doing in here. Yeah. Yeah. They know how to push buttons and <laughs> get things started. So I don't know. You'll just have to wait and see. Tune in next week to see whether the takeover actually happens or whether it's Dan and me. <laughs> so anyway, well, I hope you enjoyed. Let us know what you think about the show, uh, about the, you know, January is now concluded. Mm-hmm. What do you think about our series that we've set up? From yes. the interview, the beginning of the month, to uh, what we've learned, to the tre- creature types, and then our adventure recaps. We did mention on the few months that there are five, that there will be a top five. Yes. On those on the last show of the month. Yes. So that's coming up. It is coming up. All righty, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us here in the dungeon. And uh, we hope until next week, you keep rolling those 20s. So long, everybody. Wraps up today's session, so thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. 
All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.